March 5th, 2022, Times Square, rally supporting Ukrainian struggle against Russian aggression. What should I tell you? Uh, my name is Yulia. Uh, I'm from Gorlovka, it's in Donetsk region, and I'm here to stand with Ukraine, with my country, with everyone who is suffering there uh, because the Russia is bombing uh, all our cities. Peace. <laughs> This is Barcrow Radio, and in these troubling times, we wanted to hear from Ukrainians who live here in New York City. We spoke with the owners of the Blintzbox, a small restaurant underneath 59th Street in the Turnstile Market, featuring Ukrainian fare, and with a leader of the Ukrainian Orthodox Church here in the city. We also spoke with a former Soviet athlete who now teaches yoga in our city. First, to the Blintz box under 59th Street. This is Barcore Radio Podcast, not at a bar, but at the Blintz box, a food shop in the Turnstile Market under the street next to the 59th Street subway stop. I'm Alan Winson, and with me today are three people deeply concerned with the dire situation in Ukraine. Natasha and Sam are the owners of the Blintz Box, and Andrew Fesik is on the board of the Ukrainian Orthodox Cathedral at St. Vladimir. And I want to thank you all for meeting with me today on this uh, dark day for your country. Um, and I first, maybe we would uh, just get to know who you are. Um, Andrew, let's, let's begin with you. You are a resident of Brooklyn. This is what I know so far based on your bio. Mm -hmm. uh, you study chemistry, finance, you're a patent agent, and you're on the board of trustees of the Ukrainian Orthodox Cathedral of St. Vladimir. Volodymyr. Volodymyr, okay. Mm -hmm. okay. Vladimir is the Russian pronunciation. Ah, so we, or we, version, so we don't use that. We use Volodymyr. Right. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about the church and how long it's been there? And it's on West 82nd Street, I understand? Yes, our church was founded 1926 on 14th Street in Manhattan. Um, it was an immigrant church, so there were um, quite a few people who came over from Europe right after World War I, and the church was on 14th Street until about 1952 or 53, sorry, 62 or 63, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. when we purchased another church on West 82nd Street. Sorry, we purchased a, form, a synagogue and we converted it into a, ch a church. Right, right. I, I understand the governor was there not so long ago. Uh, on Wednesday, yes, the governor, the mayor, the cardinal, the uh, archbishop from the Ukrainian church, the archbishop from the Greek church. Um, there was a, ra a rabbi, there was a representative from the Muslim ch community also. So there were a lot of dignitaries there on also, Wednesday. All supporting U U Ukraine and the people of Ukraine, I assume. Yes. Do you remember anything that anyone said, maybe by the governor, that you thought was impressive? No, nothing particularly stood out. It just, it was very, the governor spoke very well. I liked her a lot. Um, it was just very, it was very nice seeing how the American community was concerned about Ukraine because for a very long time, Ukraine was the backwaters of Europe and people heard about it but didn't know anything about it. Okay. And now it's in the news and people are taking interest in a very positive way. Thank you very much, Andrew Fesek. And uh, I'd like to turn now to uh, Natasha and Sam. Are you two married? Yeah. Yes, we are. Or you look like you're married. <laughs> uh, we're at your shop here on the street 
under the street at the Turnstile Market. Uh, can you tell us about this small restaurant we're sitting at? We're at your prep table here. What, what kind of food do you sell? How long have you been here? That kind of stuff. Sure. So um, we've only opened up for uh, going on to the fourth month. We opened up in the beginning of December of uh, 2021. We opened up just in time for Omicron, so that was, uh, <laughs> that was nice. Yep. Um, but yeah, it's been, uh, you know, prior to that, it's been two years in the making. We actually, um, we signed our original lease um, in uh, January of 2020. And then, you know, we were navigating everything that's been happening up until uh, we opened up in December of 2021. Right. Uh, but yeah, here, you know, here we are now uh, in the uh, in, in, in the turnstile market, which uh, opened up, I want to say, in, in uh, 2016. So this market has been around since then. Uh, Natasha, what kind of food do you have here? Is it Ukrainian food for the most part or a mixture of American and Ukrainian? It's a mix of uh, American and Ukrainian. Uh, we have uh, uh, Ukrainian is borscht over here. So it's very delicious. And we have, uh, it's called creamy mushrooms. This is a very, very old recipe of my grand-grandma. So, uh, yeah, we have some Ukrainian food and some uh, and, and, yeah. American. And you, and, and you have uh, corn dogs, too. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't start as, uh, as a, a shop. Like you, you, were, you were on the street for a while. Yes, yes. We um, originally, in 2016, we started off under the name uh, Taste of Ukraine. And um, we did street fairs, events, food fairs, farmers markets, whatever, whatever we can. It sounds kind of exciting. Yeah, it was um, a lot of work. It was a lot of work, uh, which is what ultimately drove us to, you know, establish ourselves in a permanent location. Yeah, and, and back then, you know, it was a lot more traditional food, you know, vareniki. Uh, I then asked Andrew about his connection to Ukraine. I was born here in Brooklyn, but my parents were born in Ukraine, and we used to have relatives in Ukraine. So they're from the western part. My father's family is from the central part of Ukraine, near a city called Poltava, and my mother's family is from a um, western Ukraine, not too far away from the major city called Lviv. Yes, and all those areas are now under attack, yes? Yes. Right. And I will have to admit, I haven't looked at the news for the last week because it's just been too terrifying, depressing, horrible, tragic, um, numbing. So I just have not looked at the news. Do you talk to your parents at all about it? Do they, do they, are they up to what's going on? My parents were initially glued to the television in the first few days, but I think lately they've also been pulling back because instead of, we thought it was going to be a fairly quick affair with uh, Russia putting enormous numbers of troops in Ukraine and eventually overwhelming the country. But fortunately, Ukrainians have been fighting back very vociferously yep. and uh, pushing, not pushing back, but at least slowing down the invasion. And so because the news has been continuous, my parents have uh, watched the news less and less. So it's also less of a topic of discussion just because it's just so overwhelming. We all thought this is now the 21st century, we're beyond war, it's not, we're not going to have any more wars in Europe, that's why the European Union is around, that's why there are treaties, that's why um, these are modern times, but obviously modern times don't mean that you can't have a war. Natasha, what is your connection with Ukraine? Uh, 
I grew up over there. I'm from the central of Ukraine, from near Poltava. It's called Lubny. And uh, my parents, they are traveling here and there. For now, they're here with me. Thanks, God. But my brother, he's still in there with his family. What does your brother do? He's the, he has a company in Kiev. Uh, he do renovation of the churches and uh, the roofing. Yeah, he's doing the roofing. I imagine there's a lot of old buildings in, in Ukraine. Yeah. And so he's taking care of the old churches yeah. in, in Kiev. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you in contact with him? Yeah, every day. I call twice a day to, to know what's going on and how they over there. So, yeah, two times a day in the morning and evening. Well, well yeah. I guess every time you call, it's a little kind of your heart's in your throat to see how they're doing. For the first, like, three, four days, I was... Um, I cannot even say that I was upset. I was, like, devastating what's going on. And all the time I called... I have to calm them down, but I was like crying and all of that because it's uh, it's hard for me, it's hard for them. So. Um, Do they have children? Yeah. You're an aunt. Yeah, yeah. They have two beautiful daughters. One is uh, 16, and other other one is 10. Wow. Wow. Um, I can feel the emotion. It, it, it's it's got to be really, really hard. It is It is hard. It is. Um, I count myself like a patriot of Ukraine because I really love my country. Uh, for me, the best vacation is to go home. I still I still say my home. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I go there and I'm going to have that energy from the people, from the, from the nature and uh, uh, from my family, from friends. Yeah, I really, really love Ukraine. Yeah, yeah. Um, did you meet Sam in Ukraine? No, we meet over here. I, I came to work for his his parents, and that's how we met each other. Sam, what do your parents do? Uh, they own a um, preschool. Oh. Uh, a, yeah, f- f- like a at-home preschool. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. How long have they been doing that? Oh, since... Um, Early 90s. Wow, wow. Yeah. And, and what is your connection with Ukraine, besides being married to a Ukrainian? Uh, that's, that's about it. Yeah, I'm, I'm not Ukrainian myself. Uh, maybe her parents can consider me an honorary Ukrainian at this point. But, uh, uh, yeah, other than that, I... Um, what is your background? Um, so I was originally born in uh, Tashkent of Uzbekistan. I came here when I was about three years old. And, uh, yeah, just been in New York City my whole life, other than, you know, yeah. From someone who's sort of an outsider of all this, but being married to someone who's very connected to what's going on emotionally, how are you handling it all? Uh, it's, um, you know, even even though uh, I am not Ukrainian, I still, um, you know, just share the same, uh, just, you know, anger and, 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 you know, sadness because, you know, after all, um, you know the, the person that I love the most is from there and you know her parents that I respect a great amount and my my kids are half Ukrainian they they go there every summer and um, how many it, kids do you have uh, we have uh, a son and a daughter okay right. yeah okay yeah uh, it's 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 terrible it's terrible it's the, you know it's 
Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So Andrew's not looking at the news anymore. Are you? Do you look at the news? Do you? Two? We're still glued to it. Yeah. 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 How, how do you get it? How? What? what, what do you, where do you go to to get the information? Besides your brother, I guess you get some information from him. Uh, he's uh, he's actually not telling me that much because he doesn't want me to get upset. So you think there's but something else going on, but he's not telling you. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, do you because ask? Because I I read the. I look at the news and I have a friend who's in a, a territorial um, territorial uh, territorial uh, uh, defense defense protection yeah so he's he's telling me that uh, when I'm talking to her she in and and see on the back like explosions like boom boom and you could hear that yeah yeah so is that it's that close close For, enough yeah yeah, whereas my friend is living, yeah, that's very close. Yeah, my other friend was in Kharkov when the bombing was and the shooting, and she she said she went she moved from there, and she said it was the I forgot the word it was it was a nightmare. I'm sorry. I no, 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 no. It, it was a nightmare. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. I, I I'm sure it was like a nightmare like none of us have ever had before. I mean, war, war has got to be a unique kind of experience. Yes. Do your customers come in? Do they know that you're Ukrainian? Do they... I know you have your flag, and we took a little picture of it with the Ukrainian flag and the flowers. Um, do they show uh, sympathy for what you're going through? Do you hear any of that? Yeah. A lot, a lot of the people who um, order from us uh, also are other vendors in the same market, and uh, they've uh, they've shown a lot of... Uh, support and yeah. Um, uh, yeah, just people. You know, people in general. They're uh, they're very aware of it, and we put all this stuff up. You know, aside from the donations, which we right. There's a donation with, box here. At yeah, the Blitz yeah. Box. It's the right. solidarity helps a lot. You know, there's fellow Ukrainians who come in, and you know, just uh, having some solidarity, I think, goes goes a long way as well. Where do you um, uh, donate the money that you get? So we've kind of been gathering it for one week, and uh, we've had a chance to send it so far to um, United Help Ukraine, I believe it's called. And, uh, yeah, and Army SOS. And Army SOS. Yeah, yeah. Army yeah. SOS. Army SOS. So and United. And United Help Ukraine. Uh, the United Help Ukraine is a like humanitarian humanitarian efforts. Uh, they're actually based in Washington D.C., uh, but there's like a Ukrainian community there that gather supplies, medical, etc., and they ship it over. And then the Army SOS goes directly to the Ukrainian Armed Forces. Okay, okay. Andrew, what is the church doing uh, to help the people of Ukraine? Is there anything they're doing directly to send supplies, anything like that? We're not equipped for logistics to send supplies, so we haven't been collecting clothes or medical supplies. What we have been doing is we have a partnership with an organization called um, Lviv Knights. Knights meaning knights in shining armor and we they have been we've been collecting money for them and they help provide non-military support for ukraine for ukrainian soldiers so for example periscopes uh, night vision glasses um, laptops cell phones uh, weather stations other types of equipment that helps the military but in non non, in a non-military fashion We've also been collecting laptops and cell phones, uh, relatively new cell phones, uh, relatively new laptops. And we've been sending those also to our contact at Lviv Nights, and they 
reform at the um, the laptops, and then they send them to the um, to the soldiers. Right. Uh, and also, we've been collecting money on our end, and we've been uh, sending the money. Part of the money we, we've been forwarding to our consistory, which is equivalent to our um, main church head- headquarters, the our, our archdiocese in South Bombrook. And the other part of the funds we've been sending to the Ukrainian Knights, and also we've been sending some money to our credit union. There's a Ukrainian credit union that we belong to that sponsors us, and they've been collecting funds. And they've also been sending to an organization, I believe, called Ukrainian Soldiers SOS. These funds uh, are, are sent, I guess, um, through some kind of electronic means. But what about the material? How does it get there? I, I was always curious about that since since the Russian army seems to be cutting everything off. I haven't been um, involved in the logistics, but it's my uh, my understanding that various organizations have charted flights from the United States uh, and Washington, D.C. to Ukraine, air cargo flights, and they'll collect uh, donations and whatever people, whatever the, the supplies they purchase here and fly it over to Poland or to, I think, mostly Poland. And then the supplies are passed from over the border from Poland to Ukraine. And I know that the Polish government has been very supportive of Ukraine, and I'm sure that it goes straight through to, once it's in Ukraine, it gets sent directly to the places of greatest need. Right, right. Hopefully those those lines of uh, connection will continue. Do the leaders of your church... um, do they talk about um, what's going on in Ukraine to to the um, to the people that that come to pray during the liturgies? Yeah, we're a church, so we're responsible for the spiritual guidance of our parishioners. We are also a five hundred one c three organization, and therefore we are not a, we are not allowed to have a political um, agenda. That said, when at church, are we're always praying for the people of Ukraine and the Ukrainian soldiers and the Ukrainian nation, in addition to the American uh, government, uh, because here we are located in the United States, for Ukraine to be able to vanquish her aggressors. You 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 must have heard your parishioners talking about what's going on. What 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 are their feelings? What are they saying? about um, what's happening in Ukraine? Our, we have quite a few parishioners who are recent immigrants to the United States. and Are they all Ukrainian or do you have some Russian too? No, we don't have anybody who's Russian. Okay. Our church is Ukrainian speaking and we don't have any Russian members. We have maybe a couple of guests who might be uh, Russian, but we don't have any parishioners who are Russian. Is there an ill feeling towards people from Russia? Yeah. 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 You wouldn't... uh, I don't have anything against the Russian people, but I don't... We're not exactly very welcoming of of Russia when it's invading a neighboring country that didn't start any kind of um, aggression against Russia. Right, right. What does it mean to be Ukrainian? You were born there, Natasha. You're, You're Ukrainian. But... Ukraine has gone through a lot of changes. There's been a lot of various rulers and over over the centuries. 
Um, what is it that makes Ukraine unique as a country that that it, that it is its own place? Why is why, what is Ukraine? I would say Ukraine is the people. Yeah, it's the people. Yeah, the people. Can you describe the people? Um, you two, you seem so sweet and so nice and so friendly. Thank you. Is that part of the this Ukrainian? Is, yeah, that's how Ukraine is. Like my son said, he. Um, I was talking to him yesterday, and he said, uh, "I was. Ask, I, I. I asked him that. Why you love Ukraine so much? And he said, because of the people. They're so nice. I have many friends over there." Because everywhere I go, everyone loves me. Uh, this is this is the Ukrainian people. They um, they they very open. They uh, uh, how to say very um, lovable. Yeah, lovable. You seem very hospitable. Uh, yeah. So uh, I, mean, I felt I felt very warm just walking into your oh, blitz you. box. <laughs> it was you. it was very welcoming. So I can say Ukrainian is the uh, is the people what's living it. Yeah, the yeah. Very, very good people. If there was one spot, and I'm going to ask Andrew the same. You, you've, Andrew, you've been to U Ukraine. I've been to Ukraine twice. Okay, let me let, let, let me ask let me ask uh, Natasha first. Um, one spot in Ukraine that you're thinking of right now that you wish you were there. In better times or now? No, no, in better times, in the best in, of times. Oh, in better, better times, times that okay. now. <laughs> um, to be where I was born. Describe and, uh, it. Um, like the best place in that city where you were born. Um, Take us there. So, um, I, was, I was born in uh, Lubny. So this is a very, very small, uh, uh, very small town. Uh, a very friendly people, and um, uh, I I was born in Lubny, but uh, my family lived close to Lubny in a village. So the village is uh, very very beautiful with a lot of uh, ponds and uh, and uh, forest forest yeah, and uh, the, the nature is so is so beautiful so beautiful. And um, I would like to be there. Was there a place in the forest that you'd like to go to? Oh yeah, it's very close to my house actually. And uh, when I was uh, when I was a kid, um, I was uh, going over there a lot, and that was um, the, mush the mushroom picking. <laughs> no, the mushroom picking. I was doing with my dad, and I had a lot of fun. And, but this uh, spot that you would go to in. The in the in the forest. Um, that's near the. Mm, it's a very old um, apple tree, ah. a very old apple tree, and it's almost felled on the ground, ground, but it's still so beautiful over there because it's a lot of. It's a beautiful big pond all over, and uh, yeah. We we would go up when we take trips to the Adirondacks. That would remind her yeah. a lot about where she where of, she grew up. Yeah, of Ukraine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Andrew, what about you? Do you have a favorite spot that you remember? Um, one part of Ukraine that particularly I enjoyed was Lviv, 
and Ukraine was historically uh, divided between t the Austrian Empire in the West and the Russian Empire in the East. And Yuvia was the capital of the Austrian province of Galicia. And it, it's a very beautiful place. It, it looks very much like Vienna. And the, the, the houses are very, are very pretty. Um, the streets are very attractive. And it's, it just looks extremely um, European. Mm -hmm. And uh, I tell people the Austrians took care of their empire because the, their major cities look very pretty. Mm -hmm. So Lviv is one place that I especially liked uh, visiting. My last question. Um, you're, th th this country, Ukraine, is now changed. Is it ever going to be the same? I think it's going to be better. In what way? Uh, in everything, in the like, government, I think it's going to be it's going to be uh, much better because uh, the, the people will be stronger um, in every way, I would say. It's going to be better. So you see a positive future for Ukraine. Yeah. When I do you think that's going to happen? It's not today. It's not tomorrow. No, it's, it's not. But I hope the, this nightmare, this war will finish very, very soon and uh, Ukraine will stand up and uh, rebuild and it's going to be a big beautiful again a big beautiful country mm -hmm. better than it was before mm -hmm. thank you very much andrew fasek of um, the um, i'm not going to say the name of your church why don't you say the name of your church so we get it right saint Voldemir. saint Voldemir, uh ukrainian orthodox um, cathedral church and um natasha and sam of the blintz box here at the Turnbox Market, Turnstile Market, underneath the street next to the 59th Street subway station. It's been uh, wonderful talking with you. I wish maybe when this is over we can come back to the Blintz Box and talk about the renewed Ukraine. You're welcome anytime. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you so much. Relatives are still in Ukraine. Many of them are still required to go to the underground shelter a couple of times a day because of the Russian bombing. So, you know, we, we cannot just be quiet, we cannot be silent. We have to be here and, and, and show our protest and show our unity with our nation and, and ask American people and, and American politicians to support Ukraine. Uh, I was, I was, what I was saying that many, uh, I mean, Ukrainians, the way they test how uh, if that person is Russian or not, yeah. they ask them to say a couple of words in Ukrainian. And uh, there's a word strawberry, it's Polunetia. Uh, they cannot pronounce it. And that's how they find out if he's a Russian uh, spy or Russian soldier. And, uh, and uh, many, many people make fun of Russians because they know that he cannot pronounce that word. <laughs> The song of a young Ukrainian soldier driving to war with these words, I go to die for my country.
Next, we spoke with Alexandra Premack. She is a yoga teacher at a New York City Montessori school, formerly a citizen of the Soviet Union and a Soviet Union athlete, and she grew up in Ukraine. Um, so uh, welcome to Bar Crawl Radio, and uh, we are very happy that you are going to be talking to us about your life in Ukraine and, and uh, you know, what you think of it, everything that's going on. So first of all, let's just start with um, getting to know you a little bit. What's your, what do you do for a living? Well, I am a yoga teacher uh, in the Montessori school, and I've been working with kids already for a couple of years, and I'm a yoga instructor for, uh, I do private yoga as well. And full disclosure, Alexander was um, with me last year in, in, in my classroom. When we were together, we were co-teachers in this uh, elementary classroom. Where did you learn uh, uh, yoga? Well, uh, I was a professional athlete back in Ukraine. And when I came to the United States, and I was uh, looking for something to use my knowledge, I graduated as a physical therapist for my second education. But once I got here... I saw that you, I got to start it here over to be a physical therapist, and I couldn't go to the college because my daughter was going to the college. And I started to search different things than I do. I work out, I go for yoga, and somebody told me, oh, why don't you make your profession? You like to work out, you have some knowledge about like uh, anatomy and stuff. And this is how I started, and I got certified. What events were you involved with yeah, when tell, you were an athlete? Yeah, tell uh, tell us uh, tell us tell our audience what you uh, what you did, what kind of an athlete uh, you were. I was a professional athlete. I got a black belt in judo. I was in a national team of Ukraine for the Soviet Union competitions. So I was in national team of Ukraine for like nine years or so. Did you ever compete in the Olympics? No, 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 I didn't. Because when I started, uh, it was still a Soviet Union. And I started very late. I was actually kind of like, uh, I was 15 when I started. So it's very late. That's very late. late. So yeah, nobody actually wanted to put much time for me, but I just loved it. And I put all effort. So I became a champion of Ukraine. And then Ukraine became independent. So right. I you you uh, were born in at the, in Ukraine when it was part of the Soviet Union. Um, what was it like then uh, before it became independent after the breakup of the Soviet Union? What was your life like in in the Ukraine under the Soviet Union? You know, as a young girl uh, in a sport team traveling all over uh, Soviet Union, all those republics. My life looked okay, pretty, like, you know, exciting. Like, you don't realize, you don't, you don't think about what is freedom. And at some point, my father uh, told me that we have relatives in the United States of America, his uh, uncle, his father's brother. And I'm like, oh, how come we never, you know, you never talk to him? And he's like, no, 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 you better don't tell anyone that you have any relatives. So, uh abroad, especially in the United States. So little by little, um, we wouldn't go abroad at all. So we didn't have, we had just uh, uh, Soviet Union passports, not uh, passports to travel abroad. And somehow we all know that we cannot go abroad. I didn't 
understand why, but let's say Soviet Union, it was 15 republics, was huge. I traveled, so I didn't feel uh, as a young girl big difference. And then, you know, when you grow, you are 16, 17, and then Soviet Union collapsed. And I discovered there are different countries. And as a, uh, being in the national team, I traveled to Africa, to Western Europe, Austria. Um, so, and the world started to look completely different. And whatever they taught us, you know, it's a propaganda uh, in, on the TV. And teachers, even whoever was, was thinking different, they would not say, like right now in Russia, they wouldn't say anything because they know that they would, first of all, they might end up in the prison. Second of all, they, they will not have a career for sure. For sure. Did Ukraine change? Did the, did the feel of the country change from when it uh, broke away from the Soviet Union, when the Soviet Union collapsed? Was, did it feel Absolutely. different? What was the difference? Absolutely. So first of all, in Ukraine, uh, it was a, it was, Ukraine was a part of Russia, but uh, we can't speak Ukrainian in our houses, and it was Ukrainian schools as, as well. But if you want to go to any university, Russian was main language. So basically, if you don't speak Russian, you're kind of uneducated. So you were forced to learn Russian. And in the school, let's say we would spend uh, twice more time on Russian literature, uh, Russian language and grammar and everything than on Ukrainian. In a lot of cities, it was not even, they didn't have even Ukrainian school. So that's why it was kind of uh, for people, for very beginning, it was okay to speak both languages. We never had any problem until uh, Russia, invades Crimea. So then we started to to think about that. Like, you know, it makes a big difference when you speak your native language. Uh, it's kind of like define you for, it, it's important to know your native language. And so you- Even though it was still okay to speak. What was it like in your hometown when you were growing up? You know, uh, I grew up in a small hometown and in my hometown, even churches were open. Uh, we would go secretly because uh, if you if you were caught, so they would call it for Easter, for Christmas, the teachers got to patrol the churches around the churches. And if you were caught, so they would just exclude you from Komsomol, and you cannot go to the university. If you're not in, a, in the Komsomol party, you cannot go to, to university. Definitely no career, nothing. So I, I was lucky to to still have that feeling, especially before school, we would go to school at the age of seven, I believe, back then. Yes. So I would go with my grandma to the church. So the churches, some of them were museums, but a lot of them were still open in small cities. In a big city, it was more, they turned into churches and turned into Russian. And we still have Moscow patriarchal churches, even nowadays in Ukraine. Is the Ukrainian uh, Orthodox Church very different from the Russian Orthodox Church? Well, the difference is almost, let's say, it's church, collect money, they support, uh, like, you know, I don't know what you call it, that hierarchy in uh, churches. Hierarchy, uh-huh. The money for Russian, Moscow patriarchal churches goes to Russia, oh, okay. goes to Moscow. And Ukrainian Orthodox, it's not a big difference in uh, um, teaching. It's the same. I mean, it's just uh, we are all Christians, regardless, uh, Greek Orthodox or Russian Orthodox or uh, Ukrainian Orthodox. But the difference, especially nowadays, since the war started, where the money goes. 
Yeah. Yeah. Right. One of the things that we wanted to do in talking with you is find out uh, what what is Ukraine, uh, because many people had never even knew about it or where it was or you know, until this happened. Um, I mean, it's too bad that we have to learn this way. So we wanted to get a sense of what Ukraine is. And early on, you were grew up in Ukraine, but it was part of the Soviet Union. Was did you feel an, a Ukrainian identity even early on? Did you know you were Ukrainian and not Russian? Well, let's start from Ukraine. So Ukraine is the biggest country in Europe. Russia has only small part of Europe. The, the rest is Asia. So officially, Ukraine is the biggest country in Europe, and in Ukraine is the center of Europe as well. So you know they support that they say this is the center of Europe, and um, it's a beautiful country. It starts with the mountains and end up with the sea. Now see they're cutting off like more and more, and now the war for the for those ports for Odessa as well. So uh, growing up, definitely I, I identify myself as Ukrainian because my parents spoke Ukrainian, and western part of Ukraine was always for Ukrainian. Soviet Union forced Ukraine to join, but western part of Ukraine were fighting for independence. We didn't want to be. So we had, this is what Putin now is trying to attack. He's calling fascist people who want to speak Ukrainian and be independent from Russia. So my mother, two of her brothers, they died doing that. It was, they call it partisan war. So, um, People would just have weapons and stay, they call it Kreivka, in, in forests and attack Russians when they're trying to get into the villages or small towns because it wasn't like big army. It was more like small groups, people trying to protect. What year was this so, about? Uh, well, my mom was born in 1934. So she was 16 when she was taken to the prison. So it's 1950s. Wow. So this battle between Ukraine and Russia has been going on for a long time. Very long, very, especially the Western part, because I believe the last one where they say Kriyivka, all those people, they were trying not to fight for independence from Soviet Union and Russia. I believe it ended up in 1960 almost. Who are the Ukrainian people? Are they like Americans? Are they different? Well, I believe like everywhere else around the world, people are the same, but at the same, different. You know, I believe that Ukrainian people are very hardworking and they are very supportive. I see uh, people, it's very interesting about our country, let's say, uh, here people have summer houses, they go and rest. In Ukraine, the soil is very rich. And I don't know if you knew the Germans would take Chernozem, we call it the soil, put in the wagons to bring it to Germany because the soil is so rich and you can grow anything. So we, we are famous for um, sunflower oil. They always grow some flowers, vegetables, fruits. So we don't have too many like just regular trees just for beauty. We're always growing something because I believe just the soil is very rich and people are very hardworking. Right. We're right now in a very difficult time. Well, Ukraine is and the world. Uh, do you watch the news about what's going on there? How do you, how do you access the I news, know, or do you? you know, yeah, 
I didn't. I don't like to watch much news because sometimes I believe they do brainwash. Nowadays, I watch news from the United States, from Ukraine, and from Russia, just to see the idea. Because I don't understand what people would. Why would people go and support the president? So I do watch the news and I see why people there support their president. They are really, really brainwashed. It's just, it just crazy. Whatever, when you listen to the news over there, whatever they do, they bombing Ukraine and they are saying then that, you know what, Ukrainians just killing them, bombing their own city. Uh, like just ridiculous news. Definitely, I, I am watching news every day before I go to bed till night because you know Kiev got to, as long as Kiev is not taken and our president is there, we are strong. And in the morning when I wake up again, I open news to see if again Kiev is still alive. Even though you know it's a disaster around the town. Today, a friend of mine, she posted on the Facebook first time asking for help. She's nearby in the city and she's a cancer survivor and now she's saying you know for five days i went to slavutic to pick up my son and my old elderly parents and she got trapped so the city is covered she said for five days i didn't have any connection and i'm a cancer survivor and today is my the last day i have my pills and i'm here with my child my peers we don't have food already it's running so we all, all we are always asking nowadays give those green corridors so we have a lot of people here. You got to see missed is um, send parcels like all humanitarian uh, aid to Ukraine. People bring in everything, uh, food, medicine, and everything. We need just the corridors so they are not bombing, like small, small corridors to bring everything that people need. They don't want. They just want to kill those people for nothing. If you would put a word on how you're feeling right now. Your, your, your main emotion at this point in, in, in what's going on over there, what, what would that be? What are you feeling? A little helpless. Helpless because, you know, when the Soviet Union collapsed, and I, I'm not saying that Ukraine would use um, nuclear weapons, but we had nuclear weapons and we were kind of protected because usually nowadays people don't attack countries with nuclear weapons. And when Ukraine made that agreement with, with England and United States and Russia that they will protect us, just give up with, to be safe for the world. And we give up. So, and now nobody protects Ukraine and all we ask again, just protect the sky. So people are fighting on the war, but when they are bombing, we cannot do anything. And all we ask, just protect the sky. And we have all those meetings every day in New York and all over the world because, yeah, it's kind of helpless because people can do as much as they can. But when the bombs are flying nonstop, like, you know, people are saying before it was like small periods of time that you can take a break. And we were hoping that when there's, they have those meetings for with the, uh, Russia, that it would be quiet because this is the rules of the war. When people have a meeting, like, I don't know, presidents or whoever, the army stopped to fight, not, not here. They were just bomb and bomb. And I feel helpless, even though we go and ask the United States government and all over the world to protect the sky. Are you in contact with friends and relatives back in the Ukraine? 
Absolutely, yes. Every day, every day I try to contact at least one friend in different parts of... And what are they telling you? Kiev, <sighs> uh, uh, people are afraid they are moving out now because my town, you know, when people ask me if I'm okay, you know, my hometown, I'm in the western part of Ukraine, so only bombs, all those rackets can fly all the way there. But Kharkiv, Kiev, you know, all those things and everything attacking. So uh, people in the western part of Ukraine, where I am from, my family, they are compared to other parts are safe. They are all waiting if there's uh, air kind of attack, so they go just to the parts of the city where city said that it's safe to be when they are bombing the city. And it happens like yesterday, another bomb fell in nearby in the area where I can come from. Yeah. Friend of mine, her parents are near Kiev and now they're bombing that area. Her parents didn't want to leave the city because they say it's our home. We are over 70. We don't want to leave. Yeah. This happened years ago in Gorlovka. My friend, friend's parents were there, and I have an apartment in the western part of Ukraine. I'm like, let them come to my apartment. But elderly people, they, they didn't have even enough strength to leave their house. They lived for years. They built up for life right. and, and leave. So, and the bomb felt right in, uh, across the, the street. So they survived and they moved out. But when you see all those news, I don't know. It's, it's scary. Everybody are afraid because they don't know what to expect now. They talk about chemical weapons. Uh, they yeah. talk about nuclear weapons. They talk about to blow up Chernobyl again. So everybody are fr just frustrated because they don't know what to expect tomorrow, even today, even in one hour. If you could go back to the Ukraine before the war started, where would you go? What would you do? Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, I go to the town, to my hometown, and to my parents' grace. They passed away years ago, but I always go there to talk to them. And uh, my hometown is close to the mountain. I love... I love skiing here, and I love to go hiking in mountains because my when I grew up, my father used to take me uh, over all those hills and mountains for long, very long uh, trails, and it's kind of Ukrainian again. From a lot of people accustomed to go pick up mushrooms, berries, because in Soviet Union we didn't have any kind of fruits and vegetables. It was all seasonal. So you would just go and pick it up. So this is where I go because I go this one. My soul is, I love nature, and I always, this is my favorite part to go. One, one last question. Thank you again for very much for spending the time with us. This is clearly a very difficult moment. Do you think your country will ever be the same after this? Unfortunately, or maybe fortunately not. We always respect the other people. Our president is Russian speaking. He never uh, said that, never covered that he has some Jewish roots. Uh, so we are 
we have all nationalities and we respect Russian, Jewish, uh, Georgian. We, we have very mixed nations. But I don't think if we ever forgive Russians now, and now people feel whoever used to speak Russian and they were absolutely okay, now they're saying that they are, they are ashamed to speak mm -hmm. Russian. Mm -hmm. And this is the worst because we have friends, we have relatives. And I don't know if we will ever be able to forgive even I know it's not right. We have to forgive. But at the back of our probably heart, it would always be that anger yeah. for whatever they've done to Ukraine. Because right. nobody could imagine that in 21st century could happen a war like that. Um, if you would recommend our listeners to donate to help um, uh, the Ukrainian um, um, soldiers, people, who, who should we send to? Who do you recommend? Well, we have, if you, we have, nowadays a lot, but there are two or three sites that you can trust and they are specified. One of them is Razom. So it's a donation for, uh, for the army and they have donation for just medical supplies. And another organization that I support is Maya's Hope. She supports orphans with disabilities. It's, again, one more organization that they support just only uh, orphans. Thank you. Thank you, Alexandra, so Thank much. You. And we're so so sorry that you your homeland is going through this. Thank you for your support. And I appreciate all Americans. You know, on the meetings that I go, People from all over the world are here in New York, and they do come to support. And now a lot of American veterans go to Ukraine. Yeah. Because I believe a lot of people understand that now we don't protect and support Ukraine. We actually protect the whole world. Yeah, my name is Peter. Originally, I'm from Russia, but I'm here just to support my friends uh, and all people from Ukraine. And I'm against this um, Putin and what he's doing right now in Ukraine. Do you have Do you have friends and family who are still in Russia, and what is and how are they dealing with it? All my family uh, for now is in Russia. Um, so because uh, half of them, yeah, unfortunately, I don't know why supporting Putin. Uh, probably because they are in uh, information bubble. My sister, my brother, all younger generation knows the truth, I think. And they don't want this war, don't want fight with um, all people who live in Ukraine. They don't want it. Uh, my name is Tatiana. I'm here because I'm against the war. I'm against the um, Russian fascist army. I think it's absolutely a crime what Russia is doing right now. I've made a couple of signs. My one sign says peace for Ukraine, polonium for Putin. And another one says Putin is a bitch, he will rot in hell. <laughs> I spent half a night uh, painting this. I am from Russia, but I'm an ethnic Ukrainian. I'm from, my family's from the border of Russia and Ukraine. But it used to be Soviet Union, and after Soviet Union collapsed, that land became Russia, just officially. 
but my grandparents never spoke any Russian. Their original language is Ukrainian, so I, I understand Ukrainian. Um, yeah, so I'm totally against Putin's policy and his kleptocratic regime that he created. It's absolutely insane. I hope Ukraine will survive it. I'm sure it will survive this. It's just, I feel bad for the cities. Ukraine is very ancient. So it has a lot of history and I'm absolutely shocked and outraged. I think it's it's insane. It's just and sick. And how about your family? Do you still have family that's there? Yeah, I still have family that's there. Um, they are shocked. They are just in a situation where they still cannot believe. I'm, I'm asking, I'm urging them to leave, but they think it's not going to be that bad. They're like, how bad can it be? I'm, I'm telling them that the sanctions are so severe and the whole world, they're just going to be cut out of the civilized world. So I'm telling my family to leave, but they are just in such a loss of action and they cannot figure out what they should do. You know, my brother has a small child, so he's kind of a little bit lost it's a tough decision it's a tough decision for parents for elderly people to just get up and go somewhere um but the problem is that right now i cannot even support them financially because of the banking sanctions and everything like i cannot do anything i don't know russia is screwed <laughs> This is a Bar Crawl Radio podcast, and I'm Alan Winson. I spoke with Andrew Fesak, a leader of the Ukrainian Orthodox Church here on the Upper West Side in Manhattan, and Natasha and Sam, owners of the Blintz Box, and my BCR co-host Rebecca McKean and I spoke with Alexandra Primak. Alina Larson, our BCR producer, covered the March 5th rally in Times Square, supporting Ukraine's struggle against the Russian onslaught. Якщо в полі скрив, все відбудеться любов.